So here's the problem. We got into yoga for peace and tranquility and then tried to make it our livelihood and lifestyle. We became students, teachers, studio owners, or retreat center builders. Then we realized it's still not that easy. Welcome to Dharmify with Hargobind. I'm your host. Here, I'll share the systems, tools, tips, and stories to bring the lessons of yoga into our chaotic lives. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a beautiful day. Targovin here. And today, I want to talk about building and construction of hot yoga rooms. Because building and construction of hot yoga rooms causes us all so much anxiety, especially if we get in the situation where we can't solve our problem. They get so expensive. The tradespeople are often highly intelligent highly capable in their unique way, but totally unqualified to solve the unique problems of a hot yoga uh, space. At the same time, you have very sophisticated engineers, HVAC contractors, plumbers, electricians that really know uh, a lot of stuff. And so the more that you know, and the better you can have conversations with them, the easier it's all gonna be. First thing I want to say is I'm influenced by this story of Yogi Bhajan. And Yogi Bhajan was a Kundalini yoga teacher and he had a company and it was called Ancient Healing Ways. And Ancient Healing Ways would sell all of his books and CDs. And they would sell the books and CDs but then always screw up the shipping and accounting. And one day one of his salespeople who I was friends with comes in to see him. And he's like, oh, but the computer and, you know, I can't print the invoice and, you know, the shipping address is wrong. And Yogi Bhajan says to him, he says, take the fucking computer and throw it out the window. And I loved that response because oftentimes we're making this way more sophisticated. Take the book, put it in the envelope and ship it to the dude. You don't have to make it so complex. And this is an important lesson with building hot yoga studios. You just need heat, humidity, and fresh air. And keep it so simple. And this is really important when you're building the studio spaces because you can get very fancy sensors. You can get CO2 monitors. You can get timers and you can get you know uh, all different kinds of switches and controls and uh, and these guys can make it so complex but really remembering what your objective is here which is getting heat getting humidity and getting fresh air in it's that simple now let's talk about some of the equipment that we need to get to get heat humidity and uh, fresh air in and this actually I want to start with insulation because if you insulate your room and your box really good your, your energy requirements are so much less it's better for the environment it's better for your pocketbook and it will just function better 
my number one favorite way to insulate a room is spray foam. Not the stuff that you buy at Home Depot, but an actual professional spray foam company because they mix the foam in their trucks and then come out and shoot it down and they'll be done in no time. It is an investment, but it's just, it's not something you can do yourself. If you've got little gaps and cracks, fine. You can use those little spray foam cans that you buy at Home Depot and those will help. And every, uh, every, every puncture counts. So if you can reduce your wind and, and your pass through uh, of, of, of cool air into the hot room, it's gonna dramatically improve your situation. Let's talk about R value, okay? In, in construction terms, there's an R value to all of your insulation products. And R value, like you'll see like R36, you'll see R72, that's like that fat foam, uh, rock wool, um, uh, fiberglass stuff. Um, and that's okay, it's okay stuff, but spray foam is way better. They'll say, you know, you get an insulation contractor and he's going to tell you, well, you know, th this is R72, it's better than spray foam. He doesn't know what he's talking about because what's important is whether the air can pass through. So, yes, in their make-believe world, they're not dealing with wind passing through cracks. They're dealing with some other silly way that they measure it. So, don't believe them. Your solid spray foam is going to stop the wind from passing through. And that's really what you're trying to do is preventing draft in your yoga room. First, the, the mother of all insulation is spray foam. Okay, there's some situations you don't want to use it, but in general, it's the best. Next best thing is that blow-in foam. It's pretty good. Like sometimes they'll blow in newspaper, or they'll blow in other stuff. The only problem is, is with high moisture, it can become a major mold issue. So probably in the hot yoga rooms, you don't want to use that stuff. Next thing is the bat insulation. That's like your fiberglass stuff that makes you all itchy. It's okay, it's decent. Oh, I gotta give shout out to my brother Chad who taught me a bunch of this stuff. He would always recommend that you use a little bit of the reflective, uh, I think it's R7. And that actually reflects heat back into the room, which can help. It's also waterproof. Um, and it's also pretty good at reducing uh, wind and draft coming into the room. Now, if you can't spray foam, they also make this like thick, thick stuff in Mexico. We call it Pink Panther. But that stuff can be really good if you already have, for example, a concrete wall. Speaking of concrete walls, you've got to put a layer of insulation over the concrete. Concrete works as a heat suck. And so if you've got a concrete wall or you've got a brick wall, I mean, those brick walls are so beautiful, you can't cover them, but they're just terrible, uh, especially the concrete. Concrete is the worst. They just suck in heat. I had a concrete room that I did, and I put the, the, that two-inch thick Pink Panther foam over it, and game changer, just total game changer in terms of how the room held uh, the heat and humidity. So first things first is get a strong room. Before I forget, this is gonna save someone's life. Don't spray foam your floor. 
and your insulation contractor is going to be like, no, of course you need to spray, spray foam your floor. But what he doesn't know is you're producing liquid that is unfortunately going to drain through your floor. Even if you get the most watertight vinyl, it'll help. But some somebody's going to spill their Gatorade and totally forget about it or spill the water and it's going to sink through. If you spray foam the bottom, it's going to hold that moisture in against your uh, your joists, your eye joists and, and your subfloor that runs along the bottom. If you happen to have a concrete pad, concrete floor, that's the best. But if you happen to have joists made of wood, you can't spray foam the bottom of it. The thing is though, is you're not gonna get that much cool air coming in from the floor. Most of your cool air in your, and the biggest bang for your buck is your walls and your ceiling. Because the ceiling is gonna keep the heat down and the walls is gonna prevent wind from pushing through. So don't spray foam the floor. Otherwise you're gonna create a sink that's gonna hold the water in and it's gonna rot your sub your subfloor out. Obviously, if you can and you're building from scratch, you do prefer a flat concrete pad with a nice vinyl waterproof non-slip floor on top of it. I am just a fan, frankly, of speaking of floors while we're there, I'm a fan of just regular vinyl floors. I try to get ones with low VOC. VOC, they say, causes cancer. It's the glue that they use to, to glue those floors down. I mean, you're kind of insulating against the glue by placing the floor over it. <sighs> Nothing is perfect in the once you dig into the construction materials. I mean, it's you have to do your research. In the United States, it, it's totally legal. I don't know about other countries, but, but the glue that they use for vinyl, when I did the reading of it, they, they, they did say there's some, you know, health things if you're sitting there snorting glue. But in the low amounts, certainly that I read uh, about putting those vinyl floors down, it seems totally safe. So get a good installer, make sure it's totally level, make sure that they put the floor down and seal it up good, and then you wanna air out your room you know, for some time, ideally, before you have your first class. Uh, and hopefully the smell will be gone within, within even, even two days or three days. So that's your walls, that's your ceiling, that's your floor, that's your subfloor. So now we've got our box. Um, and when we talk about the box, I just wanna say windows and glass are actually fine. And a lot of people think that windows and glass are poor insulators, and they're actually not. They're pretty good insulators if you get the double pane glass. And so that insulation um, is gonna keep your heat in and prevent the cold air from coming out, out. One thing about glass is if you've got it 25 degrees outside and you've got it 105 degrees inside, your windows are gonna sweat, okay? And if your windows sweat, you're gonna cause, you're gonna cause moisture and you're gonna cause mildew. So the best thing that you can do, remember this, is you put some, some some air on the windows. The way that you position your supply, you're pushing them against the windows and that's gonna keep your windows dry. So if you can run a duck sock over those windows and push some air into them, that's gonna keep them from sweating. That's, that's a money move right there. 
Number two, okay, putting your duct sock against your mirrors is gonna do the same thing. That's gonna keep your mirrors from getting foggy and sweating if it's high humidity. Push that air against the, against the mirrors. If you're doing classical Bikram, hot 26, 105, hot yoga, you probably are gonna do mirrors. This is so important to me, okay? So important to me is that you install the mirrors with an extra safety bracket on the top. The heat and humidity sometimes melts the glue that holds the mirrors on the wall. Google this article about core power mirror falls off the wall in Portland, Oregon. Some, some ladies in Savasana and man cuts her up so bad. And the reason this is important to me is I had a friend of mine, she was practicing in one of my studios in front of a mirror, comes out of class, 10 minutes later that mirror falls off the wall and shatters right where she was. The guilt and responsibility I would have had and just, oof, that warning shot for me just is too much, man. Don't hurt anyone with the mirrors. Get them, get them to put that extra strip up at the top and then even if that glue gives away, that extra strip will catch the mirror. After that, every single yoga room I'm a part of has to have that extra strip across the mirror. Let's not hurt anybody, it'll just, one of those big mirrors falls on you. It's just, it'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. Um, I over glued my mirrors for a while. Like I would use a full carton of glue or I'd tell the installer to do it. <laughs> and then I cracked a bunch of my mirrors. <laughs> so I, I've gone back to what the manufacturer recommends. So here's what happened with my mirror is I used a full carton of glue like I just had, I had my, my, my guy just load it up. But then there was settling. And there was a little bit of settling because it was new construction. And with that much glue on the mirror, it caused a little bit of, I mean, it just created, it really just created so much extra tension on the mirrors. And there does need to be a little bit of give between the mirror, the glue, and the drywall. And so I cracked like five of my mirrors. They didn't fall off because we were so over the top, but I had to replace them. And that was, you know, a $4,000 painful lesson. So I think the strip at the top is really enough and you don't have to overdo it on the glue, um, but have a long heart to heart intensive discussion about with the installer of your mirrors and, and you'll just be one step closer to keeping everybody safe and, and just doing the absolute best that, that you can. Let's talk equipment or let's finish with mirrors real quick. What I love about mirrors is they open up the brightness of the room and there's nothing better than just a nice, bright, beautiful room. The downside of mirrors is some people don't like them. You can handstand against them, but the, the, you gotta be extra careful if you're gonna handstand against them. You gotta really know your mirrors and your install. Um, if you have blank walls, you can do a lot more of your handstand prep and a lot more of your, uh, I would say your vinyasa up the wall work, wall, wall walks if you're a backbender. So there is advantages to not doing mirrors, but I am a fan of mirrors because they just open up the color and brightness of a room. And then they're also helpful to, to watch yourself 
in the, in the front mirror. One other thing I loved about mirrors, just on a side note, was I always thought the Trotacom, which is like these meditations on your teacher, where you would stare into the eyes of your teacher when you do the when you do these meditations. They call them Trotacom. Um, the, uh, lots of the different gurus uh, that came from India taught different versions of Trotacom, and I loved in the hot yoga that your eyes were focused on your own eyes and that that your reflection was one of your teachers and i just thought that was beautiful and cool and i just wanted to point that out because i thought it was i thought it was dope those are my thoughts on mirrors let's get into actual equipment so i'm a fan of a high heater unit whether it's a res i use resiners is normally what i use and we'll talk about the heater first. About a thousand square feet, you're looking at about 250,000 BTU. You want something with a real blower capacity. Anything smaller than that, you can get away with smaller level heats. I'm a fan of propane and gas heat. I think they're, I mean, you can get electric also. You can really use whatever you have there, but generally your building is gonna either have gas, propane, or electric, and just make sure that you size your equipment specifically for your power source. Next mistake that I've made is I bought a three-phase heater, which three-phase electricity is normally what's in a commercial building. Single-phase electricity is normally what's in your residential buildings. Your heater is gonna be specified for either single phase or three phase, and you can't cross them. So you've gotta make sure that your single phase lines up if you've got single phase power, or your three phase lines up with three phase power. That's something that you can just ask your electrician or your building engineer, but just make sure that you get equipment that lines up. If you have to switch out single phase for three phase, uh, or rather, I've, I've switched out a three phase unit to single phase, uh, I had an electrician do it, obviously. You don't want to get your hands into that, but it's just important for you to know about it. Um, so, sizing your unit for your room is super important. That is something that your HVAC contractor will be able to help you with. There are just things that your HVAC contractors HVAC contractors will know, there's some things they won't know, and then there's some things that they just don't want to share with you. And that's why it's important for you as the operator to un understand this information because it'll save you so much money and hassle and frustration and ultimately will help you build good, strong relationships with the people that you're hiring. Mindset of the HVAC contractor is they want to come in, install the unit, sell you something new, get paid, and leave. They don't want to start messing with heat, humidity, fresh air, um, yeah, duct work, and, and plumbing, which, which connects to your, your humidity. So you're working with an unholy alliance where their interests are not the same as yours. You're looking for functional equipment, coming back to my original story of something that works. You just want simple heat on, humidity on, and fresh air in, and then heat off, humidity off, and fresh air turn closed. That's what you're looking for is a simple setup. So you're okay with them getting the heat unit in. They're gonna have to connect duct work. 
If you're installing ductwork, you really want your returns at the bottom of the floor. Don't skip, let me talk about this for a second just so you catch this point. With the ductwork at the bottom of the floor, then you can suck the heat from the, or you can suck heat to the bottom and create a nice balanced heat in the room. If you're just doing supply on the ceiling, then your, then your ceiling is gonna be 120 degrees, but your floor is gonna be 90 degrees. If you put your returns where you're sucking air out of the room at the bottom of the floor, then your floor is gonna be 105 degrees and your ceiling is gonna be 110 degrees. It's gonna be a much more balanced room. I think that's pretty good um, for for ductwork and and heat. Let's go to humidifier. Humidifier, in my view, is probably the most important component. If you have enough humidity in the room, you can get away with a weak heater. If you have enough humidity in, in the room, people are gonna get a nice sweat and they're gonna feel really good. Just getting super hot doesn't create a nice hot yoga environment. The humidity is key. In Cancun at Caso, Mexico, so in Puerto Morelos, we have 60 to 70% humidity all the time. So we only have to take our room up to 95, 98 degrees to give people an awesome hot yoga room experience. We are at the beach though, so that's different than at the hot yoga studio, for example, that was in Cancun. In Cancun, it was drier, so they needed a high-end, high-level humidifier. In most of your environments where you have four seasons or you're in a, a commercial building, you're gonna need a good level humidifier. If it's less than a thousand, honestly, if it's less than a thousand square feet, if it's 800 square feet, you can get away with a 35 pound humidifier. Anything above uh, 1200 square feet, I'm gonna say you, you need a 45 pounder, maybe plus a supplement. At our studio in Fairfax, we have 1,500 square feet, 1,410, and we had a 45-pound humidifier. It was a Neftronic, and it wasn't enough. For whatever reason, it just it would it would just hover around 38, 40%, 35%. And what we did is we supplemented it. We just moved another humidifier that was 25-pound, I believe, and we just put in two humidifiers in there. And that second humidifier pushes it up so that you can get 50% humidity within 20 minutes. And that's really where you want, again, simple controls where you can flip it on and all of a sudden you've got great high level uh, humidity in the room. I'm a fan of two humidifiers because if one goes down, you can bring the other one right back up or you can at least run one. The stress of one humidifier goes down and it's just no fun being in hot yoga rooms without a good humidifier. So I like the dual situation. If you're in a situation where you've got one unit there, oftentimes you're gonna get a gung-ho, you know, installer who's gonna wanna sell you on the bigger unit because that's how these guys think. Just sell the unit, sell the unit, sell the unit, sell the units, the American way. The problem is, then you're so reliant on a bigger unit, you're gonna spend a bunch of money. I'm really a fan of servicing your unit that you have and then supplementing it with a smaller, just a smaller unit that allows you to just really crank in the room. 
I like I like that. I, I just I like that setup of having the two. Um, let's talk about um, installing the humidifiers because this is just some hard lessons here that all of us yoga studio proprietors have had to learn. Installers hate humidifiers because there's three major components to the installation of the humidifier. One, you need a plumber. You need a guy who's actually going to connect the water to the humidifier and also going to connect a drain back to wherever you're going to drain the water out of the humidifier. That is a professional plumber and a professional plumber that probably doesn't want to do that job because it's not in his wheelhouse. He's used to coming in, he runs a toilet, connects the toilet, runs the drain out, runs the water in, and gets 1,500 bucks easy, 2,000 bucks easy. Running a humidifier is just not normally in his wheelhouse. So he can do it, but he doesn't really wanna do it. And if he's gonna charge you 2,000 bucks, you don't really want him to do it either because that's so much money. So. Anyway, it's just not fun on the plumbing side. That's one. Number two, your uh, electrician doesn't really want to do this job either. Electrician wants to come in, install 30 sockets in the house, run your, you know, install your, your circuit breaker, connect everything, and get his five or 10,000 bucks and get out. For him to come in and figure out, okay, what's this piece of equipment? How, you know, install your, you know, your, your, your circuit breaker box in front of it, run it back to your main circuit breaker. You know, it's just, he's got to read about the controls and then he's got to read about how to set up the, the actual uh, humidistat to connect to it. He's got to get on the phone and be humble with some arrogant guy sitting in, you know, that's going to talk down to him, you know, and, you know, boss him around about how to do the actual controls on these humidifiers because they're so complex. So guess what? He's going to have to be humble. And the chances of you finding a humble electrician is like finding a needle in a haystack. So he doesn't want to do the job either. Now, on top of that, the reason both of these guys don't want to do the job is because you need a grunt. And you need some guy who's going to carry around a 50-pound awkward box and try to hang it on the wall and then go get a bunch of 2 by 4s and brace, you know, cut out your drywall, install the 2 by 4s drill the box to the 2 by 4s cover up the wall, patch the drywall, which none of these guys want to do. So maybe you need, like, a, a, a drywall guy to do that. And then... They got to do all that and then they got to come back and test the unit and make sure that the plumber actually did it right and there's no leaks once you turn the unit on and then the electrician's got to come back and make sure he didn't burn down the place and actually did the installation properly of his electrical work. So there's really three trades. There's the drywall guy, there's the humidifier guy, there's or there's the electrical guy and then there's the plumber. And then and then there's somebody who's got to be humble enough to actually help wire the controls, which really should be the electrician, but you know. So it's a difficult ask, actually. And so the reason I've spent five to seven or 10 minutes talking about this 
is because the more you know about the pain of the guys around you, the better you can grease the wheel and provide some leadership to actually getting the humidifier installed. And the humidifiers are really important. And if you get the humidification right, it's really a game changer in a hot yoga room. Let's talk about the controls for a second. So what the controls are is it's a little uh, thermostat wire that wires into your humidifier and then wires into the room. And I'm a fan of a separate humidistat control that just honestly is on a timer, on a wind-up timer. That's my favorite. Maybe you can put in a humidistat control that, that clicks off once things get to 45 degrees. But the problem is your, your teachers forget. So my favorite, um, my favorite setup is, well, I'll tell you the different setups that I have. So in one of my rooms, which is my favorite, I have a wind up dial, which just turns it on for up to two hours. So it winds it up and then after two hours, it cuts it off. And then I have another control where I can set what level of humidity I want in the room. Whether I want it full blast, so it just keeps going, 45%, 40%, 35%, or 30%, or off. And so I can control it with the wind up and the humidistat. And I like that because my teachers and I, also I'm guilty, would forget to turn off the humidifier. And then we would soak the room. And when those humidifiers crank, they'll just soak the room. And I literally had to replace a bunch of the drywall twice in my yoga room because I soaked it with humidity and we left it on overnight. So that wind up dial makes sure that whoever's in won't, can't forget to leave it on. So I'm a huge fan of the wind up dials. I like them separate from the humidif from the thermostat because it's just easy. You go, you flip it on, you flip it off, and, and you got control of the of the humidifier. Um, the control, oh, this is super important. The control for your heater needs to be a high level uh, thermostat. And you gotta remember to tell your builders this because they're, they're, they're used to just installing stuff in people's houses or restaurants. You never need to go above 90 degrees. So most of your normal uh, humidistat controllers on the wall will only go up to 90 degrees. You want to take it all the way up to, uh, you want to be able to take it all the way up to like 115 degrees if you want to. So high level uh, thermostat is important for your hot yoga room. That's pretty good on humidity. Um, my other setup for humidity is um, just on off 45% but um, it turns off when the blower turns off so you can if you have someone who's good with controls which is also unusual because most of your HVAC guys they don't want to learn new controls unless you get a good guy and that's yeah if you find a good guy who likes to actually wire thermostats and and heaters that you just got to treat them really good pay them well buy them pizza you know give them a bunch of give them a bunch of free passes to yoga and uh, don't ever don't ever let them go but most guys they don't want to actually learn wiring and controls they just want to make their money and get out of there um, so let's go let's shift to some of the other important items in the hot yoga room we talked about the floor I'm a fan of vinyl waterproof floor non-slip easy to wipe up easy to clean um, sprinkler heads 
okay? Three version of sprinkler heads exist out there. You've got your regular sprinkler heads. And your regular sprinkler heads is what you're gonna find in a normal building. You're also, it's what your sprinkler contractor is gonna recommend because they're like $5 cheaper than the other one. So they're gonna install these sprinkler heads that will burst at 120 degrees. Guess what happens if some knucklehead leaves your heat on accidentally overnight? It's gonna get to 120 degrees and then your sprinkler heads are gonna go off. And for that five or 10 bucks a sprinkler head, we're talking $100 of savings, you're gonna flood your whole yoga room. Your job, if you're listening to this and you don't know what type of sprinkler heads are in your room, just double check. Your next level is like high heat sprinkler heads, which I think is fine. The, the one after that is boiler room sprinkler heads. So it's like the high heat ones go to 160, the boiler ones go to 220 degrees, I think. I don't think that there's a single yoga room that can get to 160. So I think you're fine, but obviously this is a free podcast, like consult a real, you know, installer and, you know, not some guy you met on the internet. Okay. So high level, I think is enough at 160, but ask your sprinkler contractor and just explain to him. Once you explain to him, Hey, this is a hot yoga room. I'm running it at 105, but sometimes my heater takes it up to 110 or 115. You know, if someone leaves it on high by accident, it could go to 120, spend the hundred bucks and just don't blow up your sprinkler heads. That would just be a tragedy. Um, couple other like random tips that I've encountered over, over the years is try to get your electrical sockets off of the bottom of the wall. Your electrician is going to say, Hey, you know, it's code to put an electrical socket every, you know, every six feet on the wall. But guess what? In yoga workshops, your people sit against the wall with their sweaty backs leaning against electrical sockets and they can get shocked. So, um, have them at least keep the electrical sockets away from people sitting on the floor in your workshops or at least put the prongs in there and cover it up. But if they're all sweaty, you know, you, you still, you know, want to keep them off of, off of the wall. Um, another thing is heat panels. I've never installed heat panels. I like fresh air systems. There's definitely spaces where heat panels really come in really come in useful. There's a bunch of great companies out there that I've never worked with, but they've installed tons of heat panels. They're cheap. They're easy. I mean, again, some people say they cause cancer. Um, I, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, I think so many things cause cancer, but do your own research on it. I don't feel like that's totally a reasonable argument, you know, for the level of cancer that it causes for the amount of little bit of time. Especially if you have a drop ceiling, they're so easy to install. You just need to double check your power requirements for heat panels, but they really can be a lifesaver. And, uh, and they really, um, you know, they're really great. I've practiced under lots of heat panels over the years. Uh, they kind of cook you like, like fried chicken. Um, but maybe if you do a mix of, you know, a heat, one heat panel or two heat panels in the room, a little bit of forced air, you know, you can, you can really put together a, a good room without massive tear out and destruction of, of, of your spaces. 
because um, they are so easy to install and you don't have duct work which is which is total pain uh, to work with um, I think those that really kind of summarizes um, my advice for you um, I know that's a lot of content to get through um, but if you're a builder, if you're in construction, if you get hired uh, to do these rooms, um, I, I really suggest uh, that um, I really suggest that 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 you, you deeply try to understand the purpose of what you're doing in the room. Keep it as simple as possible for people that aren't uh, highly t highly specialized um, in the trades. And if you're a studio owner, studio builder, um, I really, I just want to encourage you to get curious and understand your equipment and, and really um, get knowledgeable. And, um, you know, it's interesting also, it's, it's um, there's just a lot to learn and you can totally learn it. It can totally be fun. It's totally going to, going to make you a better operator and, um, and yeah, last thing, now I, I forgot one thing, fresh air. Fresh air is so important for the nice balance of a room. So I'm just a huge fan of being able to have windows that I can open, especially with cross breeze. If you're in a commercial space, oftentimes that's not possible. Maybe you can put in something as simple as a fan and you can suck the air out of the room and that'll... Um, That'll then pull more fresh air, usually in through your heat system. Um, that'll also drop humidity in the room. Um, but anything that you can get nice cross breeze in is gonna be super helpful. Um, that, so oxygen level in the room is gonna keep people from feeling lightheaded. It's gonna give them stronger practices. We often are talking about oxygenating the cells through deep breathing and pranayama. Um, and so I think it's really important to get the equipment right so you can get fresh air into the, into the room. Um, those are my thoughts on, on construction. I got to give a shout out again to my brother Chad, Chad Clark. Uh, he always, always uh, got love for him and what, what he's taught me um, in, uh, in, the, in the business. Um, and uh, so um, there's some good resources out there. He's actually got a book, I think, uh, on Amazon too. I, I, I recommend uh, that book of how to build a hot yoga studio his way. Um, but um, I wish you so much luck out there. Uh, if I can be of, of use or service, I'm always available. You can run your equipment or, or ideas by me. And uh, again, I'm not, I'm not an expert but um, I'm passionate about it and uh, always game to help my brothers, my brothers and my sisters out there um, building, building their, their super dope yoga studios. Um, I wish you guys a beautiful day and uh, hit me with comments, questions, uh, anything, anything I can do for you, I'm here. Have a beautiful night. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, I think you'll love my book, Dharmafy, a daily practice to get your mind right, your business tight, be a love light so you feel all right. It's available at amazon.com. Also, you want to learn more about Dharmafy? Try my course, Seven Days of Dharmafy, which is available at dharmafy.com. Finally, come visit me. Come see Casa Om Potomac. Come see Casa Om Mexico. I'll show you the best time. 
Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with someone that you love. Please leave me a comment. Send me a note on Facebook. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you want to hear more of. I'll be sure to get you the best I possibly can. I wish you all a beautiful day. Stay Dharmified.